Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. On today's episode of The Glue Guys, Basically, Brian and I are trying to figure out ways to talk about the Nets mm-hmm. by not talking about the Nets. We will do that with uh, a conversation about Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving reacting to KD's podcast, The Etceteras, where he opened up his brain just a tiny little bit and told us how he felt about the trade. Uh, we also have an amazing killer comparisons. And um, we will, yes, we will talk about the current state of this team because uh, it's great. It's a disaster. It's great. Let's get into it. Guys, this is Mike here. Say hello, Brian. Hello. Check us out on Twitter at oh, BK Glue Guys, netsdaily.com, The Athletic. Get yourself on the paywall at theathletic.com slash glue guys, a subsidiary of the New York Times Company. Again, every time I say that, we are a part wow. of the New York Times. It's Mike, we are inches away. Your dream, your dream achieved. Global coast <laughs> coastal elites, truly. But honestly, what was what is better for our podcast? Being on the New York Times' orbit or being on netsdaily.com? I mean, I, I, you know, netsdaily.com. One of the same. Anyways, enough about us. Um, Mike, let's get into the show. Brian, we are potting after the Nets, the, the descent into darkness. Hello, darkness, my old friend. Feels good. Feels home. Feels like home. <laughs> feels... Feels, feels um, it feels, feels amazing. No, I, I was streaming the game last night on, on Twitch, for those who don't know about that. Obviously, you don't know because you're not in the Discord, so I don't know what to tell you. Discord.gg slash goo guys. And I did turn off the stream at halftime. Like, that was the uh, the, the earliest I've ever shut, shut it down because <laughs> it wasn't just that it was disgusting to watch, but it was disgusting to watch, and it was against the Knicks multiplier of discussingness it was it was unwatchable so um why does this keep happening to us mike and i can't tell if it's small sample size theater or if we're just unlucky but like ostensibly we're supposed to be a three and d wing all the way around defensive juggernaut of a team and then basically you know one out of every two games we just get um hit with a barrage of threes that just put us out of the game relatively quickly or they wait to the end for that to happen or whatever happens but just the the wheels fall off at some point and we don't have enough offense to put the wheels back on um, the Nets need to fire Jacques Vaughn no, no, right no, no, no. now. No, 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 no. I mean, that's Cam, the thing. It's like, how much you do know we... who spoke to this? Oh, please. The new net, one of the new nets, Cam Johnson. Okay. He was asked after last night's game, basically, like, you guys seem to be a team that should be good on defense. Mm-hmm. Why aren't you? And he was like, yeah, it's very confusing. You know, he even said we should be on the, by far, easily in the top half of the league defensively with the guys that they have. The thing I was most excited about post-trade, because he tried to figure out a way to get excited yeah. after trading Kevin Durant, and it stung. 
it stung like a hornet's nest seeing Kevin Durant warm up, mm. Kevin Durant play for the Suns. Yeah, I couldn't watch that. Kyrie, I don't care. I, I, I no. was jubilant. And no, I understand this. it's a a sticky wicket. To, you know, the fact that Kyrie leaves is the reason why Kevin Durant left and all that stuff. The whole team, it all is tied together. The good and the bad, the sweet and the sour. Which, speaking you know? of that point, I mean, having listened to the recent episode of the Etceteras with Kevin Durant in front of the show, Eddie Gonzalez, um, Friend of the show, we Eddie, who I bodied on Twitter, <laughs> who who Mike has had a, a long tête-à-tête with. Um, it did. There was that was interesting. Did you listen to that, Mike? Did you? Because yeah, yeah. Uh, shout little... out to Eric Slater, who I don't know, but he retweeted some of the videos from mm-hmm. the Etceteras. Um, what was your? So basically, the headline out of it: KD has not talked to Kyrie, but they will decompress and chop it up at some point maybe some chop <laughs> that, that was the headline is that they are planning to have a <laughs> sit down chat <laughs> that's what yeah. well that's why i don't work for the new york times yeah. that capacity yeah <laughs> you know yeah. like um i'm trying to think of some horrific event in history i'd have yeah. been like <laughs> and then discussions are being had <laughs> people will chop it yeah. up uh but kd had said he, he basically his he's like a character in severance his mind has been split in two his basketball mind yeah, sure, he was upset and he wanted to see this Nets thing continue with Kyrie. But as a human, as a friend, his other part of his brain, yeah. uh, he understands that Kyrie was doing what was best for him. We all have to operate in our own circles, in our own, we have to make our own moves. And Kyrie was making moves. I'm, my, my hands are up in the air, Brian, for yeah. the podcast audience. They're up in the air because I still think what Kyrie did was incredibly dumb. D-U-M-B. I think yeah. it was worse for him and his money moves to do what he did. Mm-hmm. Um, but essentially, Kevin Durant was like, I would have liked to have seen us try it out, but also I don't hate Kyrie Irving. I, I think there's what more to the on? to the subtext there because it's interesting in the player empowerment era, um, watching players sort of dance around the minefield of talking about other players, especially superstar players. Um, it's It's interesting because there's like a lack of – in as much as they're like held to a different standard in the media, just talking about things generally, which is I'm sure super annoying. Um, the one thing that they truly are not able to, and this is maybe self-enforced, they're not able to talk about other players like in a incriminating or not incriminating or just like in any kind of critical, like truthful, emotional way. Right. And, and that, and it is this like sort of, they defer to this, like, well, it's about, you know, the business decisions and like in, you know, business there's, you know, all is fair and whatever. And they just do this massive deferential thing. And so it's interesting to kind of like try to pick out the subtext, little nuggets here and there with what Katie was saying. But I've, I, you know, the pull quotes that I pulled out were like, Things like at our expense, you know, that's, you know, he, he used that line to describe Kyrie's decision. Um, you know, it hurt it. Kyrie is polarizing. There is a subtext and I, I don't want to do this thing where you're like blowing it out. Cause he was very middle of the road, generally speaking. And, but like, and maybe this is my, that's pressure. also why that podcast is no good, but yeah. Hey, come on. Shut up. Is, Shut up. Hey, <laughs> the boardroom's a shitty website. Whoa. Rich Kleiman's a bad agent. Whoa. And the Etceteras is not. Mike. Actually, the boardroom really is a very good follow on Twitter and Instagram. I will say that they do a great job of like doing the whole here are the top 10 money makers in concert, in music. Here are the top, like, yeah. you know, I care about what money people make. Sure. I will, if anyone tweets out salaries, you know, this I'm is, following. This is my what favorite I'm, article every year is the USA Today epic of 
how much college football coaches make across the country because they get, mm. you know, Freedom of Information Act information. information. Um, anytime you tell me the money. So I, I do like the boardrooms. And I, Anthony Puccio, a friend of the show, um, who works for the boardroom now, I'm happy for him. But the Etcetera's is not a good podcast. I mean, it, 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 it in the arc of um, NBA player-led podcasting, it is, if you listen just to the content, you know, it, it's sort of like that Redbox movie that is starring Denzel Washington, but is like a bad Denzel movie. Okay. But it, but it's on Redbox. And you're like, mm, it's just a buck. Maybe it's good. Yeah. Whatever. Um, it, it, it stars Kevin Durant, the Etcetera's. But it's a bad podcast. Yeah, there, well, there's very little et cetera going on. <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't break out my flamethrower in the way that you have. I, I think that Dude, what I'm, I'm not dance, on the team we're, da- we're dancing they're around never the same thing. Back. Yeah, is, is the um, is that it's sort of like this new media of like players sort of propagandizing from their perspective is like an sure. like an interesting and maybe necessary sort of counter. Factual to what's it's happening great. in I, other anyone who's independent or traditional players media. having their own podcasts is no, like, I'm not a, yeah, yeah, I, like I, Bill Simmons or something. Like, yeah. it is fantastic that players have their own podcasts and that they have their own ways to communicate with their fans. And like, you know, there are plenty of podcasts that are just like up in smoke and or all the smoke. And uh, the one with Court Richardson, Darius Miles is super fun. They had Hidu Turkaloo on recently and Hidu was hilarious talking about how JJ Redick was a completely annoying player to have on his team. Wow. And I love JJ's pod. Um, Draymond's has had moments, you know, mm-hmm. but uh, anyways, I don't need to bury the et cetera's any more than I have. No. Yeah. You're doing, you're doing the, a jig on the grave <laughs> yeah, here. We're, we're yeah. unleashed. We're unleashed. <laughs> Mike, Mike, the- <laughs> Mike has been unleashed for a while, um, but Hey, I'm here for it. That's Hey, we're, I support you. Um, I'm unmasked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know what I was talking about before that happened, but you anyways, were, you were talking about um, what Kevin Durant had to say. About yeah. Kyrie. So, so there's some, I, I think there's enough, like there's a trail of, of breadcrumbs to suggest that um, there is as much as we don't like to admit it, there's an emotional, you know, response to what Kyrie did. Obviously Katie's not going to be able to like walk through like, okay, so why did he have to make this difficult business decision? It's because Kyrie did a series of things over the course of the last few years that put himself into a precarious business negotiation, sort of anti-leverage position. Um, whatever that's neither here nor there. He did call that him polarizing as a figure. Um, which I thought was at least as somewhat of a of a, a nod to to what we've been talking about here for a long time, but um, yeah, in general, I mean, it's uh, just listening to that kind of stuff is it's interesting. It's interesting to see, in particular, Kevin Durant's response to all this. And I go back to him like crying or borderline crying at the Phoenix presser thing. Yeah, um, but there's I just wish that. I wish I knew. I wish I knew that there was all this emotion just under the surface. It didn't feel that way at any point. And, <laughs> and, and this idea that like, you know, basically business is everything is sort of secondary ancillary to the business decision that people have to make is, I mean, this is sort of this like weird kind of afterbirth of the player empowerment movement where um, like now there's just no, like it's like we're playing a game and then there's just like this other game to be played outside of it, which is, you know, just like the business mechanics of things. And there's no, like, you're not even allowed. Just, they kind of defer to like, it is what it is. You know, it's this, it is what it is yeah. sort of aw shucks kind of thing. It's like, you know, you do have influence. You're a pretty important person, Kevin Durant on your team, whatever team that is. And like, I, 
you know, you don't have to say this, but like, I would have liked to be like, Hey, I sat down with Kyrie. We had a long conversation. It was just like, yeah, he did this. And then I did that. It was, it just seems very reflexive and not thought through or whatever. I just can't. And then there's an emotional sort of outburst at a press conference. Not long after it just seemed very, I don't know. Like where, where is that leadership? Whatever. I know we talk about that and it's foo-foo stuff. And yeah, who cares, no, no, but, but it's, it's yeah. true. So it, this was something that, you know, was talked about, you know, like Kendrick Perkins would get on, even though Perk played with KD, and he would talk about how, you know, KD is not a leader, or you know, and Charles Barkley loves to talk about how Kevin Durant is not a true leader, and I, you know, I always kind of like push back on that, be like, you know, there's different types of leaders. We all don't need to be. I mean, Michael Jordan, frankly, was a pretty shitty leader. He was just so amazing singularly in the moment at the clutch moments. He was, he was a jerk. It's to his different teammates. leadership styles. I mean, it gets, if leadership, yeah. if, if championships is the ultimate goal, you can't deny that what his leadership style was, it resulted in championships. Yeah. I always, I just don't like the Jordan Kobe. I'm going to make everyone else around me feel shitty. And then, and then at some you, point, you don't like it because you're a beta and you would be the Scotty yeah. Burrell. And in that situation, but <laughs> But listen, Kevin Durant, as amazing a, as a player as he is, he talks about this all the time. He just loves to hoop. And he, you know, we can't expect every single great basketball player to also then have this amazing um, Svengali like, like, you know, effect on other people in terms of able to convince them to do something that maybe they don't want to do or kind of trick them or part mm-hmm. of leadership is, is getting people to do maybe what they don't need to do in the moment. Right. He doesn't do that. He had never, he never did it over his time. There were so many times where he could have stepped in to talk to Kyrie. Sure. Telling Kyrie to get vaccinated would, would have been, even though I probably advocated for that on the show, that's a lot, right. To tell someone you need to get vaccinated, even though the warriors did it, to Andrew Wiggins. Um, the, but there were all these other things, and particularly in this moment, that moment when Kyrie and the Nets had their their contract negotiations, whatever they were, at the at right around the trade deadline, and then Kyrie was like, screw this, I'm going to go nuclear, and I'm mm. going to ask for a trade in the middle of a season when your team had gone on a 12-game winning streak when you played with Kevin Durant. I mean, I, I we, we don't talk enough again, about how selfish, insanely selfish of a decision Kyrie made. He made a ridiculously selfish, not unprecedented, but rare decision for a basketball player. When we look at player empowerment, for the most part, player empowerment occurs in the offseason. You know, these guys ask out in the offseason, look at James Harden. As everyone made fun of James Harden for being fat and partying during the COVID crisis, <laughs> um, and deciding, I want to be out of Houston. He did it in the offseason and then did it in preseason. Kyrie did it right when the team was like maybe going to get Kevin Durant back in a few weeks. Um, and to get back to Kevin Durant, he just like, Frank, he just was never that guy. He was never going to be the guy who said, who would go and tell another player, you need to do this, or hey, how do we, can we figure out a solution so we can get through this season? Yeah. He should have had that that sway and that relationship with Kyrie to just be like, Kai, like, it's not helping you to ask yeah. for a trade right now. It's not help. Like, if you think it is, it's not. And 
Yeah. And I think this team gets exploded because Kevin Durant is not that type of leader and Kyrie is a complete, you know, um, wild card. And what I, I think we're both kind of saying the same thing through a different lens. And it's just like, I think that something about the player empowerment movement has yes. made it so that players feel like they can't like make even small, like it, it and you had a great example. I mean, if, if Kevin Durant just is like, yo, we got to win some, some basketball games here. And in order to do that, you need to get vaccinated. Like how much would that have mattered? I don't know. I think it would have mattered considerably, but, and maybe that conversation happened. I have no idea. Um, but <laughs> that, it's, did, it's a conversation that I probably it did. can't happen. No, in it's this climate. And, and I, yeah, that's why I was like, I don't know what if I want to bring the vaccine thing because that is a sensitive, you know, of course, it's a very sensitive topic and stupid that it's sensitive. Anyways, let's move on. We can w- one one small thing. You talk about the emotions of Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. I think from listening to the et cetera's and KD's press conference before that, and the emotions that he displayed. I do think that this was a very quick decision by Kevin Durant to want to get traded. And it does, I think, link back to the offseason when he requested a trade. I do think that there was an agreement between Josiah and KD that KD will come back and play, which is what he did. But if I ever want to get out, you have to, like, you will honor that, right? Mm. And Joe Psy seemed to, from all the reporting, was very involved in the Kevin Durant trade, according to Woj. So I think what happened, the Nets did their thing with Kyrie. Kyrie gets traded, and KD, you know, pretty quickly just said, now I want out. You know, because I don't, again, I don't think they make the Mavs trade. I think they trade Kyrie to to the Lakers for Mm -hmm. Russ and the two firsts, as opposed to Dinwiddie, and Dorian Finney-Smith. Dorian Finney-Smith has no utility on this team. Um, if he's not playing with like a Luka, Trey Young level mm. star. Oh, okay. Easy. Um, so I like Dorian Finney-Smith just fine. He's just never going to score points. Yeah. But like, he's just that kind of guy. It's not happening. Um, but anyway, so yeah. So I think I think the motions, you know, if we, again, we see over, Katie's not playing chess. And I don't mean that as an insult. He like, he's very much like, I'm. I want to win basketball games. I want to play great basketball. That's what I want to do. He's not like LeBron, where he's thinking four years ahead, planting seeds, planning out his future. And I think pretty quickly, again from the Etcetera's podcast mm-hmm. and everything that we've seen, I just think he made that decision very quickly. And then the Nets, Joey and Maddie, Joey Sai and Maddie Ishbia got together and just made that deal. Let's talk about the team now, though, right? Yeah, let's do a little bit of the team, and then we'll take a break, and then we'll do killer comparisons. But the team now, um, should they tank? (laughs) I mean, do we have a choice? Is is really the question. Yeah, I, I, I will, I will say this. This is this is something to think about. So the Nets are the sixth seed right now. They are not looking very good in this new incarnation of the Nets. Um, For anyone who has just stopped watching, which I can't imagine, you know, I feel like everyone has some awareness of what this team has been. Um, The Nets are giving up what two times over the past three games, they give him 140 points. Mm-hmm. So that's not good. You know, not, not that's great. not, that's not good statistically. Room for, room for improvement. Yeah. I didn't really dig into the numbers on that, but that's not good. Uh, so they have 34 wins just to get everyone to know the bulls are the 11 seed. I have 29 wins. There are 20 games left in the season for the nets to truly tank and get out of the entire playoffs, like get out of the play in because I'm pretty sure this is true. 
if you are a play-in team, your your lottery odds are like I don't know. I have to look at the exact odds. I think there is a difference between the tenth team in the East and the eleventh team. Mm-hmm. I think there's some layer of difference. Um, there's twenty games left. The Nets would have to do an unbelievable tank job um, to get completely outside the playoffs and like really improve their odds and just to set the table. And you're looking like they may be doing that. I, I think it's happening. Like I'm, I, I don't do you think it's intentional or do you think it's just happening? Um, let me think about that. I think it's, I think it's just happening. <laughs> I think it's just happening. Unfortunately, I don't think, um, well, I think about this actually, which is interesting. The timing of the Jacques Vaughn extension for me, makes me think a little bit that there is like Jacques Vaughn doesn't want a whole bunch of losses again on his, um, on his permanent record, uh, without some kind of long term agreement in place, I would imagine. And so if he's like, if we're going to be bad slash and or tank, um, I, I do want some kind of protection against, you know, the fact that this is not, this is not my fault. Um, so anyways, the timing of that was interesting for me just because it's like, okay, let's set up this guy for a long-term investment into this thing and basically create a little cloud cover to suggest that this is not necessarily Jacques Vaughn's losses on his chin. Um, I, yeah, I can't say it's – I just think it's the team. I mean like what what is Jacques Vaughn doing that's making the team lose? Like to do that, he would actually put Ben Simmons back on the floor and play him. I mean there's such weird stuff with Joe Harris and Seth Curry – I mean, Joe Harris is like, God, I don't want to talk about I don't want to get mean with Joe Harris. But the, here's the difference in lottery odds, just so everyone knows. Last year, Cleveland was the uh, the last team, had the best record that didn't make the final 16 playoff teams. You know, they got knocked out in the play-in. Mm-hmm. They had 0.5% chance at the top lottery pick. Mm-hmm. Charlotte was the next team. Where, where did they end up picking? Do we know? Sorry. Cleveland? Yeah. I think they'll, I mean, they didn't rise up. You don't rise up unless if you get into the top four. Right. Do you know what I mean? So, and they did not get into the top four picks. So Cleveland had, has a 0.5%. Charlotte, so that's the second to last team in the lottery, has 1%. Third to last team is 1.5. Fourth to last says 2%. Then it goes up to 3%, 4.5%. So like, sure, there's a difference between the 4%. And whatever, and the odds are different. I mean, like again, you can sneak into the top four. So it's just because you have a two percent chance at the top pick, you may have like an eight percent chance at the fourth pick. Just for clarification for everyone, the Nets have a swap with the Rockets. Well, the Rockets are going to be a top four team, pretty much guaranteed. So if the Nets somehow rise up and get the number one pick in the draft, sure they lose it to Houston, but it also probably means Houston has like the fourth pick. Mm-hmm. It would be incredible, right? It would be incredible. I, I think the way things are trending now, the Nets will be in the lottery. If we consider losing in the play-in as being a lottery team, you know, and in, in, to really drill down on that, like that's not great, right? Mm-hmm. That stinks. Um, and it will just make the fan base hungry to make a big trade already. Yeah. Remember when we were like, we should just ride this out? You know what? I don't want to write it out. I don't want to watch bad <laughs> basketball, man. That I watched Kevin Durant for it took five games of no yeah. Katie and Kyrie. And yeah, I'm like, eh, let's get Trey. Now we have to sit with the consequences, Mike, of what you've done. Um, let's do this quick break. Come back. Killer comparisons. Really fun show. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24 seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover. 
Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply. And we're back, Brian. Yeah, hit me. Yeah, those are the good old days. Do you just you just like flash back to when you were recording that in the that in is the Brian's voice for everyone who doesn't who don't know that the, that is Brian in the submarine basement. Um, the versatility in your voice is incredible. No, I appreciate that. Um, this is killer comparisons. Uh, the form of what this will be has altered a bit as we got creative with it. <laughs> yeah. Essentially, killer comparisons, movie character intros to Nets players. I, I'm not going to, I'm going to take the intros out of it. Cause I think intros is where we got make, we got all mixed up. It's just more character arcs, character like, arcs. That's where I sort of see us. Yeah. Um, so I we like have, it because we, we have new nets and yeah. we felt like that's where the intros started of like, you know, your introduction to these players, intros to movie characters or actors or actresses. But it, again, why put a bottle on greatness? You know, why sealing it? And I also so think as, as sort of the <clears throat> the precursor for this, this amazing idea that we've had was the conversation of like, why Kyrie and KD, that era was ultimately like kind of annoying and stale because it was the same storyline over and over again. Um, and there wasn't an, an, a natural arc to this. Like we're at the beginning of something right now. We have a lot of... People, what are we at the beginning of? of beginning of the end? Who knows what? But um, like you were saying, what is it? SVU. You had some kind of comparison to. Yeah, it was like with the Kyrie KD era. It was the the case of the week. The SVU yeah. era. It was like what bloody murder will befall the Nets at this point? Things could look good, and then just you know. And by the way, uh, rest in peace, Richard Belzer. Uh, I think that's his name, right? The yeah, the guy. yeah, yeah. Great okay, I was Great I was just thinking of another comparison for it. It was like as I think about the Marvel films, like the whole thing is basically like, Good how point. can we get all the same like the important people in one room together and just like fight the bad guy with all the pieces? It's everyone's just off doing their own quest. It's like can we just get like wh- whatever Doctor Strange and whoever the other important people are uh, in the same room together and just beat the guy? And that's that seems to be very hard for people. Yeah, um, it's very hard for people. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, do you want to start us off? Um, I have a funny one to start us off, please. <laughs> so I started off with Mikhail Bridges, um, and I did Verdell, which is the name of the dog in as good as it gets. 
<laughs> so let me walk. Wait, that like that he's the catalyst for yes. the change that happens in the Nick in the Jack Nicholson this is character. So fu- okay. <laughs> I'll do my bridges after, but it's so funny Um, that we both thought similarly. He he himself has a very, you know, sort of, you know, there's cat people and dog people. He's got a very dog person kind of personality as, as far as I understand that. Um, But then also, I mean, there's a whole, you, you're, are you referencing the New York times story about his dog? No, I wasn't. Do you not even know that? (laughs) I know. (laughs) There was, uh, I forget who it was. uh, Tanya, Gungulia, or I, I don't know how to say her name, and I apologize. I don't mean that disrespectfully. Uh, she's a writer for the New York Times, and she wrote a whole story about Mikhail Bridges and Campaign's dogs, how they're best friends, and how Campaign had to break it to Bridges's dog that that, <laughs> the, that the dog the dog was gonna have to live in Brooklyn That's and hilarious. not live and have like a great life with campaign's dog um, it was a beautiful Arizona. story um that sounds amazing so anyways well it's all tying in very closely i didn't even know maricopa that. county for um, <laughs> but if you if you haven't seen as good as it gets run out to your blockbuster rent that on vhs um that was a huge movie it was a huge one but jack nicholson is um sort of a disgruntled superstar writer in his own right <laughs> and and um and Verdell the dog um, is is the is, is, is the is the catalyst for change in his heart, Mike, and sets him on a new path of redemption. That is hilarious <laughs> that you went that direction. Because yeah. here's what I want for Bridges. Yeah, he is Tom Hanks, and you've got mail. Mm, interesting. Listen to this. A, okay. a, a psycho stalker, internet stalker. <laughs> gotcha. Okay, like. Like Tom Hanks and You've Got Mail. So the Nets fan base is is similar to Meg Ryan in this way. Mm. The initial meeting between Hanks and Meg Ryan is through the internet. Um, they were email chat buddies, right? I think that was the thing. They would write emails to each other. The You've Got Mail. That's the whole point of it. And, and for us, we got introduced through Bridges through these trade rumors in the offseason. And our emails were <laughs> NBA trade machines. Um, you fast forward into that movie. The way Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan actually meet is when Tom Hanks goes into the shop around the corner, the little bookstore, with his, I think it's his brother, the little kid. I think that's technically his brother or his uncle. I forget what they, the whole classification of that. The little kid is like Woj and Shams. Mm. Like the little kid was spelling out F-O-X to Meg Ryan. And Tom Hanks was like, no, no, don't, you know, don't, he's just spelling out things when that was his last name. And it was really like Woj and Shams. They were the warn, the warning sign of our looming cha- life change. That little kid was warning Meg Ryan, your life's about to change, mm. F-O-X. They were telling us our life's about to change. Then, like Nets fans, we learned who Mikhail Bridges really was. This is the guy that's going to put us out of business. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> okay. he's the guy that's going to ruin this dynasty. Oh. Ultimately, like Tom Hanks, Tom Hanks puts... Meg Ryan's shop around the corner out of business, mm-hmm. right? That is what he's going to do. He's going to take and ruin all the little bookshops on the Upper East, upper West Side. Not okay. Upper East. Apologies. Yeah, that's totally Okay. Bad. And then we begin to fall in love. We mm. begin to fall in love with mm. the villain. Not that Bridges is a villain. Not at all. Not at all. But he he is the harbinger of, 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 change. of change. Of corporate. And in the end. Change we realize that he's actually the one that we love. He's in fact, um, 
the guy that, that we're meant to be with. Because yeah. if you remember, Meg Ryan was with another man, Greg Kinnear, who was in As Good As, as, good as, as, good good as, as It Gets. As Good As It Wow, wow. Really and Kevin together. Durant is Greg Kinnear. He's the original love interest, but was there really love there? No, no. Were we just sort of like roommates, really like, And, and you know, Greg Kinnear was just sort of a stat patter, you know, in his own academic sense. Not, that, Kevin, not that Kevin Durant. Actually, that's super unfair to Kevin Durant. That's not what he is. Yeah. And he had a wandering eye. And ultimately, the breakup between Greg Kinnear and Meg Ryan in You've Got Mail is amicable. If you remember, that wasn't a – and with KD, it was like for us, the Kyrie breakup was the thing that was ugly. Yeah. Right? The KD one was like, we all kind of get it. You know, it's he does he shouldn't be here anymore. We should let him go hook up with the TV show host that Greg Kinnear hooked up with. Right? And the TV show host is Maricopa County. Okay. The Phoenix Suns. So Mikhail Bridges is you've oh got God. Tom Hanks and you've got mail and, and the Nets fan base is Meg Ryan. It is odd and funny that we both picked. <laughs> yeah. Like movies that, of a certain era. I think those movies are like yeah, yeah. right the same area, Greg right? Movies like, of a certain era. <laughs> Craig uh, Kinnear's the thread yeah. between all of this. Uh, uh, really good. Uh, I, I've also got a bunch of people that are not um, new people, but I'll start with the new people just, just sure. a little bit. So Spencer not Spencer Dinwiddie for those who don't know, not a new person. Right. So, um, well, but is, but isn't. So I went Han Solo from mm. episode seven. Um, seven. Is that right? Seven. Seven's a new hope. A new hope. No, no, no wait, no, no that's seven four is so it's four. No, no, no. And then one, two, three, and then six, seven, seven eight, nine. Do you mean the, when the, he, for, the force awakens? DIEs? The force awakens. You think he's Han Solo when he dies? So I, he's Han Solo when he returns, <clears throat> you know, and it's like, I'm a hunt, like all that, you know, all of what happened in the past is true. I was there for it. You know, all, all that stuff, you know, it's like a return. He's, he's back. He's back in the, it, and this new version is worse than the original version. <laughs> I mean, if you want to go, if you want to yeah, go there, I mean, but- it's just an old mercenary returning. I mean, you know, it's still early on, but yeah, the Spencer Dinwiddie era part, part due has, um, you know, it's got a little dust on it. We need to we need to clean up. But I'm not going to say he's dying. I didn't go for the dying part. I mean, yeah, sure that that happened to Han Solo. Um, but good, good thread to tie that together. But you know what I mean? It's like, uh, hey, I'm Han Solo. Yeah. I'm back in the franchise hey. after <laughs> you play like Tony Danza. Yeah. Hey, I'm Han Solo. Yeah, <laughs> didn't Tony? I think Tony Danza did uh, try for that role. Yeah. Um, <laughs> question for you. Yeah, Han Solo, good or bad at his job? At his job, what is his job? Being a smuggler, yeah, to be a rogue smuggler, an expert pilot, a, a gunsman, a gunslinger. And we, if you think about it, we were talking in our pre-production meeting. I'm going to get ahead of it. I'm going to spoil this for you. <laughs> There's this is theater. I know this it's is the fourth theater, wall. I broke the fourth wall. I know. I loved it. Sorry, go ahead. So you, give, give him the spiel. Brian's a death of a salesman. He's like, I was talking to the director about. It. I was like, you don't talk to the audience. By the way, I've never seen Death of a Salesman, so I don't happen? know. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't, I don't remember that Waiting part. for Goodell. Um, think about it, okay? Han Solo. First, he in, in A New Hope, he's like, I'm just going to leave. I, you know, I'm going to take my money and run. And yeah, he comes back, and yeah. he shoots out some sitting duck TIE fighters. I could have done that. You know, there's, it's not that impressive to fly over a scene. What do you know and about just sh- it? You ever fly a, a freaking Millennial Falcon? Millennium Falcon? Jesus. Millennial Falcon. That's that was my nickname. Yeah, on the street. That's that's your tw- other Twitter handle. Um, Empire Strikes Back. He takes them to the Cloud City, a place he never should have taken. Them. Like 
they should not have gone to Cloud City. He should not have trusted Lando. He trusted Lando. He gets encased in carbonite like an idiot. And then in Return of the Jedi, they have to use their best, the Rebel Alliance, which is a, a, a rough and tag, a little group of, of fighters against mm. the Empire, has to use their two best resources. Yeah. Princess Leia, who's effectively the leader of the rebellion, and Luke Skywalker, who is the only Jedi on the good side. They've used both of those resources to get a smuggler encased in carbonite. Yeah. Why are we why are we wasting resources putting them at risk for a smuggler? And then he goes on and goes to uh was it Endor? Yeah. And gets captured by teddy bears. By by teddy bears. That, we were talking about this too. Like, how many Ewoks would yeah, it ultimately? Yeah, we were talking about it, Brian. How, how many Ewoks would it ultimately take <laughs> to take you down? Like, I feel like I could. I mean, he's a grown man. I don't know how tall um, Harrison Ford is. He looks like he's six one at least. Probably buck ninety five. You could pick up an Ewok and punt it into. You know, like I mean, honestly, you're you're going to get caught by Ewoks. That's. I wouldn't tell anybody about that. I'd keep that a secret as long as I possibly could. And the first Ewok that comes up to you, you pop it in the throat and you toss it again into like I'm, a volcano. Going, the rest of them are running away from you. I mean, I'm, I'm just right now I'm having like a fantasy about what I would do to that first Ewok that approached me. It's a, it's a, is it a Kevin Nash power jackknife power bomb into like into the woods? You know, is it, I just kick it into a coma. You know, what, what is, what is you do to that first Ewok? The Ewoks would be treating me like a God that they thought C3PO was, <laughs> you know, like they, cause the way I would, the things I would have done to that Ewok, I would have ripped it. You know, they used to talk about how Chewbacca, like uh, Wookiees rip people's yeah. arms off when they lose. <laughs> to the Ewok. I would just rip its freaking arms off oh and God. eat it like a crab, <laughs> like, like you have a crab leg and be like, you're going to mess That's with me? True. You have to go. Oh, you have a stick you and some rocks? Like- I have a blaster yeah. and I have arms. You that could to, rip you apart. You have to completely out psycho whatever it is that's that's going against you. Um, yeah, we they, belabored this, but yeah, there, <laughs> there's, there's so, a lot bad at his job. Yeah. yeah. Um, Spencer Dinwiddie, though, where do, where do, how, how long is this episode going to be at this rate? We're, we're, it's only at 35 minutes. We'll, we'll go okay. quickly to the next one. Here's here's what I got. Joe Harris. Oh, you want me to do new players? I'll do new players first. No, you Dorian don't. Finney-Smith. This isn't really true, but I just – because this, this is tied to when we had movie character intros – but I had him as Javier Bardem in No Country for Old Men when he did like the cattle gun thing. Okay. The air. Walk me through that. Like as much as, you know, Dorian Finney-Smith may not be a scorer, he is so long and he he is such, he's so fearsome as a defender potentially. Okay. I just don't think it really matches up because the team gives up 140 <laughs> points per game. And you just you just had her, Javier Bourdain on the on the top of your mind. I can feel it. I mean, you, you want to why? <laughs> why? You don't you don't really know why. I don't because I've been watching Lyle Lyle Crocodile with my kids, and Javier Bardem's in that. Whoa! And uh, he gives a hell of a performance. Whoa. I suggested that, that was not thoroughly. what I would have guessed. Um, um, but you got him in well, there. He fit the square peg yeah, in a circle hole one way or another. <laughs> what else you got? Um, I'm going to do some old heads here. Um, I've got. Do you know? All right, I mean, this is kind of like normie testing you, okay? So we're, we're going to see where you are on this. Um, do, have you seen the film Akira, the acclaimed anime film? No. You've no. not. All right. That's I've okay. heard of it. You've heard, heard of it. it. So yeah. I'm going to go Cam Thomas's Tetsuo from that, but you haven't heard of this movie. So, sorry, you have heard of the Ex- movie. You haven't no, seen it. No, explain it to me. Yeah, it's actually a really good comment. For those of you who have seen it, it people are... Just it is unlocking things for them. I can tell. I can hear it through the podcast <laughs> because in this in the movie uh, he plays 
a kid who kind of discovered he's like this bullied like picked on kind of kid in the like run to the litter in a in a gang uh in a street gang who through through a complicated situation comes to have telekinetic powers becomes like this all-powerful being right and kind of becomes this um antagonist in in the film uh, through his like unlocked newly unlocked powers, and then the powers themselves begin to kind good, of though. become all consuming, yeah, and he kind of just like he just he fills up a whole literally a whole like uh, football stadium with like his body, right? Just, he just like he can't control the telekinetic powers and just expands and fills up the entire thing and then explodes in a nuclear so anyways the point that i'm trying to make is that like camp thomas is injured he's kind of this rented the litter but when he's in that like that those three 40 point games like it's just it's all it's only camp thomas right it could only be he can't even be camp thomas like we talked about this um like it'd be he needs to play for a bad team in order to be good and it can't even be like a decent team he needs to play for an apocalyptic apocalyptic wasteland of a team like there cannot be anybody else but him in order for him to do the thing that he needs to do <laughs> in order to reach full potential um he's wally if the positive like he has to live on a desolate planet <laughs> wally sure sure yeah um wow. that's <laughs> No. That's a different. That is a different way in. From where is, that I'm going. The, is, that, is that the thing I've said on the show that you like the least? Seemed <laughs> no, like it. No, it, was, it seemed like I just think it, it. <laughs> you're you're just so um your points of contact immediate. I love them. They're just so different from mine. Um, and that's why the yin and the yang of this this works. Uh, but anyways, go. Hey, Besides us Mike, literally doing like late nineties rom-coms yeah. for get, put, put a cure on the top of your list, Mike, you'll hate it. You will absolutely hate it and fall asleep. Uh, yeah. yeah, no, I'll try. I'll try. Yeah. Um, I have, I'll do two shorties. Uh, ben Simmons is a clicker from last of us because you hear about him way more than actually see him. And then nice. he just brings havoc and disease and yeah. ruins their team. Um, wow. Second short one. Uh, <laughs> Nick Claxton. Uh, I told you this one on the pre-show meeting, so this won't shock you. <laughs> no. And I apologize that this is going to ruin the movie, but here's the thing. Oh, Movie's spoilers? Power- Guys, spoiler. What's the movie? And then tell them the spoiler. Just the, so the movie everyone- is Power of the Dog. It came out on Netflix. It was an Oscar-nominated <laughs> film. Here's the thing. No one saw it at the time. <laughs> I saw and it. I, I don't there. feel bad ruining it because you're not going to watch it if you haven't watched it. It's one of those, it's just you're not going to watch it. Yeah. But there's a character in it played by, I think the actor's name is Cody Smith-McPhee. Oh, you think? Okay. He is a a he was also in the movie Elvis, which is odd. Um, but he is an actor who's very tall and skinny. And his character in The Power of the Dog is he seems like this innocent, um, sort of young man who is gonna be like abused physically <laughs> by mm-hmm. Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> and in the end, he becomes a, a murderer. Yeah. And Nick Claxton, when he entered the Nets world, was this wispy little, lengthy, long, young pup who we were afraid was going to get abused by the Joel Embiid's of the world. Yeah. And in fact, he's become not a murderer, but, you know, a pretty good, a pretty decent, um, I mean, he's he's got muscle. Mm. Is he going to be a killer? I don't know, but- you know, nice. that's what I got. Can I say I had uh, Ben Simmons as Michael Corleone, but only in the part where he's in exile in Italy uh, after <laughs> after killing Salazzo and McCluskey, right? Those are the two power brokers. 
<laughs> two power brokers in the city that yeah. are putting putting the uh, screws to the family. And and now he's just in Italy wearing nice clothes, drink, drinking some wine. He's got <laughs> having sex with a teenager. What? Apollonia is a teenager. Apollonia is like fifteen. Really? Oh, jeez. Yeah. Can, let's cancel Michael Corleone for that. This doesn't hold up. Um, I yeah. not, I did not well, know that part of it. He's easy, easy, everybody. Um, but yeah, so I had that. Um, yeah. I also had I had a quick one for you. You want this one? Yes. I have Yuta Watanabe as oh, sure. Boba Fett from episodes Boba Fett from episodes uh, five and six. Five, six. Because he, the audience knows he's cool, right? Everyone kind of is like, "Ooh, what's that Boba Fett?" all about like you know you you hear about him more than you see him in those films and obviously like the fandom that arose out of it was um disproportionate to the amount of time he's actually on screen the, the filmmaker george lucas didn't even know how cool boba fett was so the, the powers that be they're not even putting him on the screen very much and everyone's like yo like what's let me get let me get more boba in our life um maybe they overdo it because like episode two i believe attack of the clones has maybe a little bit like too a much thousand bobas <laughs> maybe too much boba fett they overdo it potentially um so hopefully that's not part of their maybe that will be maybe they'll get a ton of run in this season but don't threaten me with a good time because that I could get into. And also they have kind of a similar name, Yuda, Boba, there's something there. Yeah, he got that. Um, my last one, Joe Harris is Katie Holmes, the actual actress in the Christopher Nolan Batman movies. That's hilarious because I have him as Alfred from the Christopher Nolan Batman movies. Okay. Yeah. Just a guy that's like there, he's he, like in parts. Morgan Freeman? Well, doesn't it start with Michael Keaton? No, Morgan Freeman is Lucius. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's Michael Caine. I don't know if it's always Michael Caine. It is always. Ka- yeah, Michael Caine. Yeah. Um, but anyways, do your thing first, and then I'll I'll tack mine. That's hilarious, though, that we both chose different characters from the same movies. Do you remember Katie Holmes in the Nolan movies? Yeah, yeah, I do. She was in the first one. She was Erica or whatever her name was. Rachel. Rachel. Ra- Rachel. Yeah. And we thought that she was going to be a crucial character. right? I mean, she was Batman's girlfriend. She was Katie Holmes, very famous. Thought she was going to be a crucial role player in a long-running, reoccurring role. But Katie Holmes gets replaced by Maggie Gyllenhaal Mm -hmm. and literally replaced uh, during the run of a franchise. And Joe Harris is getting replaced. Like, he is – there's no way he plays in Brooklyn next year, particularly if they have this kind of team. Like, you know, if they hold on to Bridges and they resign – if they resign Cam Johnson, Joe Harris is – flying away on the first flight out of LaGuardia. I mean, he is getting replaced. And we thought, again, that Joe Harris was crucial. Remember the conversations that we had? Like, Joe Harris was one of the reasons why the Harden-Katie-Kyrie season, where Harden then gets traded for Ben Simmons, was like, oh, but they don't have Joe Harris. If they had Joe Harris, everything would be okay. Yeah. Not that important. Like, I don't love Joe Harris. Just not. He's just not that important. So I'm... I'm keying into the fact that he, that hasn't happened yet, and he's just been around for this hilarious period of of chaos and <laughs> shenanigans all around. The world is is cracking apart, and he's just you know serving tea, you know dropping sort of innocuous maybe lines of wisdom to whatever star player du jour is on the team or not. Um, just sort of above the fray, but only because he's like. He's just never was invited to the fray anyways. You know, he's not, he's not, he's not powerful enough of a character to be in the fray. Um, so, and so he's just sort of there watching, watching the world pass by. I mean, like, yeah, it's, you know, those are, those are bad guys. You know, they watch the world burn, whatever, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. So that's, <laughs> I went for more of a, um, 
of that. But maybe that's, you know, maybe that's hard on Joe Harris. You know, it could be a, a blistering last 20 games of the season for, for Joey Buckets. Well, someone sent me this. Joe Harris's mom on Twitter, like right after Kyrie and Katie gets traded, she said this on Twitter. A leader sees greatness in other people. You can't be much of a leader if all you see is yourself, quoting Maya Angelou. Wow. Um, and, she, and the person who DM'd us, Elijah Brockman, what? said- You're doxing her? Oh, I mean, he DM'd us. I'm sure he wants credit for, <laughs> oh, okay. for this. I don't, I don't know how people, said, how people are with that. Is this shade from, uh, well, it's, you know, he's on Twitter. It's public. Yeah. Okay. Shade from Joe Harris's mom to Kyrie. That's what he asked. I'm like, I mean, I, I don't know if Alice Harris is always- you know, you know, want, like if she, her, she's having a bunch of nets takes, but I mean, I know, I know, that, I know that that quote says my Angelou, but it could very well say Alfred Penny, whatever Pennywise or whatever the hell his name is. <laughs> I think it's Penny. Can you do a little Michael Caine for us before we leave? Michael Caine. So <laughs> <laughs> that's my favorite kind of impression when you just say, you just name. say the name. <laughs> Michael Clint Eastwood. <laughs> you know, you just yeah. say that name. All right, um, we did it, Mike. We we did. It. I thought this was a great show. A for, classic uh, Glue Guys episode, which is just turning lemonades out of flab. You know the deal. Anyways, Mike, get us out of here. Find us on Twitter at bkgluegasnetsdaily.com, The Athletic. Get yourself by the paywall at theathletic.com slash glue guys. A subsidiary of the New York Times. Brian. Michael. Goodbye. Thanks. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.